The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. I talk about them almost every single show. Why haven't you gotten a VPN yet? Get ExpressVPN right now. ExpressVPN.com slash Ben. The goal of the current wave of pro-Hamas protests is very simple. The goal is not to protest in favor of Palestinians, of course. If it were, protesters would have been out in the streets for the last 20 years pushing for Hamas's ouster since Hamas was stealing literally billions of dollars and using it to build terror tunnels and rockets. And they were killing anyone who opposed them. The goal isn't even to make a political point, really. Politicians may try to translate the obviously pro-terrorism and anti-Semitic messages of these pro-Hamas protests into political speak. They try to make it about a ceasefire or negotiations or a two-state solution. But that's not what these protests are about. These protests are about intimidation. It is that simple. The size and virulence of the protests is designed to intimidate. This is why the protests aren't generally calm or peaceful. They are generally rowdy. They are very often violent. They involve assaults on police officers and on Jews unlucky enough to fall within arms grasp. Yesterday, a pro-Hamas rally in New York City, for example, ended with a pro-Hamasnik hitting a Jewish man in the head with a chair. This, of course, is not a rarity. Hate crimes against Jews are up over 200% in New York City. The pro-Hamas protesters will descend on the Museum of Tolerance, an irony almost too thick to believe, in order to assault Jews and reporters watching a compilation of Hamas's atrocities in the Gaza envelope. All of this on the eve of the anniversary of Kristallnacht, the kickoff of violent Nazi atrocities against Jews in 1938. Here's what that looked like. You can see people screaming, free Palestine, trying to beat people up as they enter the Museum of Tolerance. Museum of Tolerance, by the way, is right on Pico Boulevard. It's in one of the most Jewish areas of the city. And pro-Palestine protesters, pro-Hamas protesters showed up to try to beat people up. Of course, we've seen these tactics all over the world. Protesters attacking police officers in London, defacing historic statues and putting the kafia on Ben Franklin, climbing the walls of the White House. We've seen protesters chanting openly for the slaughter of Jews, calling openly for the destruction of the state of Israel itself. On campuses across the nation, Jews have been surrounded, pushed around, threatened. Here was UCLA yesterday, my alma mater, where one woman screamed, beat that f***ing Jew, as protesters beat up a pinata of Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. You can see them um, beating a pinata with a stick. And, uh, and screaming at the top of their lungs. You're going to see uh, one guy come up, grab the uh, Netanyahu piñata, and just start punching it, beating it, while everyone cheers. In the United Kingdom, Jewish students are now afraid to go to class. According to reporter Etan Smallman, quote, in Bristol, a Jewish student was told, you and your family are money-grabbing, murdering Muslim people. Another in Birmingham, received an Instagram message from a stranger warning, quote, may a slow and painful death be granted to you and every other Zionist like you. A university rabbi also received a direct message on the platform, quote, you massacred innocent Muslims, I hope you die too. In Warwick, a Jewish student's WhatsApp group was infiltrated by at least three different people bombarding freshers with the message shown to me, including dirty Jewish, Israel got no humanity, mud ring, and free Palestine. All that was spelled wrong, of course. Over at MIT, Last night, according to students there, Jewish and Israeli MIT students were physically prevented from attending class by a hostile group of pro-Hamas students calling themselves the CAA. The, the administration warned them to clear and get out of the way or they would be suspended. They were not. 
None of this falls into the realm of politics. It's mere intimidation. It is a show of strength. It is a threat. The idea is very simple. There are millions of us, the Hamas supporters, we are in your streets. We are in your classrooms. We are in your companies. We will say and do anything we like, exploiting your Western weakness. You will import more of us. Your sons and daughters will join us in marching against your values. Your law enforcement organs will watch us passively as we do all of this, and you will do nothing. That's the message. The goal of the pro-Hamas protests and rallies across the West is to make Jews and Western allies afraid. By showing they have no limits, pro-Hamas forces in the West hope to force their enemies into acquiescence. Their goal is to play on the emotions of soft-headed liberals who equate anger with justification, who believe that the angrier the protester, the more that anger must spring from oppression. The only way to relieve that anger, therefore, is to relieve the supposed oppression, to surrender. And the West is filled with those who would surrender. The latest example comes courtesy of the Washington Post. Yesterday, the Washington Post removed a comic by famed cartoonist Michael Ramirez. Here is what it looked like. For those who can't see, it is a Hamas member. It is a Hamas spokesperson. And tied to him are babies, an innocent woman. In the corner, you can see a picture of the leader of Hezbollah and uh, and Palestinian flag. And this Hamas spokesperson is saying, how dare Israel attack civilians? This, of course, is an accurate cartoon. This is indeed Hamas's strategy to hide behind civilians, particularly children, while claiming immunity. And the depiction of the Hamas figure is based on Hamas senior official Ghazi Hamad, who was most recently seen explaining away the slaughter of Jews and then pledging to repeat that slaughter. Here is what Ghazi Hamad looks like in real life, and here is what he looks like in the cartoon. This is very obviously Ghazi Hamad. No matter, the Hamasniks in the Washington Post offices promptly intimidated the Washington Post into fully pulling the cartoon based on false accusations of racism. Editorial page editor David Shipley said, quote, a cartoon we published by Michael Ramirez on the war in Gaza, a cartoon whose publication I approved was seen by many readers as racist. This was not my intent. I saw the drawing as a caricature of a specific individual, the Hamas spokesperson who celebrated the attacks on unarmed civilians in Israel. However, the reactions to the image convinced me that I had missed something profound and divisive, and I regret that. Again, it's the reaction that convinced him. It's not the actual content, it's the reaction. The angrier people get at him, the more they must be justified. Zainab Mudalo, a staffer at the Washington Post, celebrated on the company Slack. Mudalo, unsurprisingly, is pretty obviously a radical pro-Hamasnik. Her Twitter feed contains allegations of Israeli genocide and blames Israel for the bombing of the Al-Akhli Hospital. It was Palestinian Islamic Jihad. Her feed contains precisely zero condemnations of Hamas. But the Post caved to her and her allies. They didn't cave to her because of the inherent content of the cartoon. In fact, here's another cartoon that's still up on the Post YouTube page. It is a cartoon that is effectively a blood libel, falsely depicting Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu punching a Palestinian baby in the face while ignoring a Hamas terrorist. The caption reads, Israel pounds Hamas targets in Gaza. The idea being that Bibi is looking specifically at the terrorist, ignoring the terrorist to punch and presumably kill the baby. That is a blood libel. It is still up on the Washington Post YouTube page. This is the story in the media these days. They will defend Hitler supporters who hate Israel, but they will dump cartoons that label Hamas terrorists. That is presumably why the New York Times spent its day yesterday defending stringers, quote unquote, who were participating in Hamas's terrorist attacks of October 7th. There are literal pictures of some of those stringers carrying grenades to the actual attacks. Mustn't upset the Islamic radicals. And the Islamic radicals know that the spineless media will cave to their demands. That's why rioters invaded the offices of the New York Times yesterday. According to the New York Daily News, quote, a demonstrator set off a smoke bomb as about 30 others breached the lobby where witnesses said security guards let them briefly chant. One witness said, quote, it was 15 to 20 of them doing the actual damage with a guy taking pictures. The guy would set up his camera and then they would be spray painting the windows. 
Here's some footage of what it looked like last night outside the New York Times building and inside of the New York Times building. This is the giant crowd gathered right outside the New York Times building chanting. They also make sure to spray paint a few cop cars with free Gaza. And where's law enforcement? Why aren't people being arrested? Why has it become open season on cops? They also spray painted a cop car with IDF KKK. Since when is taxpayer funded property open season for pro Hamasniks? The protesters who entered the New York Times building claimed against all available evidence that they were invading the Times building because the Times was somehow pro-Israel, which is absurd. The New York Times is the most anti-Israel publication in major legacy media. Saying that the Times is somehow pro-Israel is like saying that Pravda is too pro-American. Now, the protesters know that. They're not all the way stupid. The purpose of their mini riot was simple. Keep the New York Times intimidated, believing that the anger they're demonstrating must be the result of some sort of oppression. Again, that's how it works in the media. The angrier the supposedly oppressed person, the more they deserve your acquiescence and surrender. Intimidation does work. All of this is reminiscent of the Charlie Hebdo scandal of 2006, when that publication printed a cartoon of Muhammad, the prophet, saying, quote, it's hard being loved by jerks. Amid the massive protests, French President Jacques Chirac condemned the magazine for, quote, overt provocations. Well, you know what that spurred? A bunch of terrorism against Charlie Hebdo. In 2011, the offices were firebombed by Islamic radicals. In 2015, two Islamic radicals murdered 12 people in the Charlie Hebdo offices. The same people who in 2006 were claiming that Charlie Hebdo was the aggressor by 2015 were out in the streets saying, je suis Charlie Hebdo, which was a lie. They were never in favor of Charlie Hebdo's speech. They were in favor of weakness. Weakness breeds aggression. The aggressive push because they sense the weakness. This is what we are seeing in the streets. It's why random rallies now feature overt threats to kill Jews. There was one in Florida yesterday. That's a protester saying, I'd go right now to kill you. Promise me, I'd go right now for my people. Promise me. I'd go right now for my people. I promise you, right now, I'd go for my people to kill you. For his people, he says, he would go to the Gaza Strip and he would kill you. This sort of behavior is absolutely run-of-the-mill at pro-Hamas rallies. This is not a peaceful march. These are not just people who are chanting for a political ceasefire. The intimidation is the point. It is the reason for increasingly violent attacks on Jews internationally. It's why there was an attempted shooting at a Montreal Jewish school yesterday. So what should the West do? The answer is to be unintimidated. Do not cave in to the radicals. If they get aggressive, they should be confronted. If they get violent, they should be arrested by law enforcement. That is literally the job of law enforcement. If they are not citizens and they support Hamas, they should be deported to countries that better reflect their awful values. No more weakness, unless you want more terrorists, more terrorist supporters, and more dead innocents. Hey, in just one second, we are going to get to the West continuing to start to cave, because again, the oppressor-oppressed matrix is the death of the West. It is the death of the West. We'll get to that in one second. First, Veterans Day is upon us. Our friends over at Pure Talk have been working toward alleviating $10 million in veterans' debt. Thanks to your support, they are over 90% to that goal today. Think about this. The U.S. military is made up of 100% volunteers. These are men and women who willingly sacrifice everything they have for the country. When they're done serving, they return home to a tight job market and outrageous living expenses. That's why I'm so happy that there is a private company like Pure Talk that has jumped in to help. When you switch to Pure Talk's lightning-fast 5G network, 
They will donate a portion of every new order to this excellent cause. You can make a real difference just by choosing superior cell phone service. And again, I use Pure Talk, so I know how good Pure Talk is. Pure Talk's plans start at just 20 bucks a month. They offer unlimited talk, text, more data, and mobile hotspot. Just head on over to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and make that switch. Let's help ease the burden on the men and women who have given so much for the country. Visit puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Switch to Pure Talk today. It's a twofer. You're making your cell phone coverage better and you're saving money. And at the same time, you're actually helping fellow American veterans. It's the right move. It's the American way. Visit puretalk.com slash Shapiro today. Go check them out right now. And meanwhile, the weakness of the West is being made apparent pretty much every single day. All of these talks about how Israel needs more humanitarian pauses. They need a ceasefire, more humanitarian. Okay, so here's the thing. Israel right now, by the available data, is being more targeted in an urban area than literally any army in human history. The actual ratio of terrorists killed to innocents killed is probably about one to one. Now, that's awful. That's terrible. It's also entirely because Hamas's strategy is to hide behind civilians, knowing that if they can get the media on their side, that if they can get the lefties on their side, if they can demonstrate anger in the streets, that there will be an attempt to call off the dogs. There'll be an attempt to preserve Hamas in its position of power. That is the goal here. And again, the, the, the goal is to intimidate. This is why you have seen a widespread media attempt to pin Joe Biden's personal unpopularity on his support for Israel. But that's not where the data are. The reality is that Biden's support for Israel is quite popular in the United States. The American people do not support Hamas. The reality is that by 84 to 16% in the latest Harvard Caps Harris poll, Americans support Israel over Hamas. And just as many believe that Israel is justified in its response. This is a piece written by Mark Penn at the Wall Street Journal. He was a pollster and advisor to Bill and Hillary Clinton. So this is not coming from a Republican who wishes to see Joe Biden win. It's coming from a Democrat who wishes to see Joe Biden win. According to Mark Penn, he says it's true that the 16 percent who support Hamas include many Democrats as 18 to 24 year olds split only 52 to 48 in Israel's favor. But are those Democrats going to vote for Donald Trump who moved the U.S. embassy to Jerusalem? In the end, they will come home as they always do. Bringing home swing voters will take more than Israel policy. Israel ranks seventh among the issues of chief concern to American voters. If Joe Biden can't make progress on the other priorities, he's reduced to running a negative campaign against Trump. But the reality is that Joe Biden's Israel position is actually widely popular. That is why you are seeing these protests grow in size and virulence as they attempt to convince Joe Biden that if he doesn't push Israel off the mark, then they will somehow lead to his defeat. This is why you see Rashida Tlaib threatening that her followers aren't going to vote for Biden. Again, Mark Penn is correct. What are they going to do, vote for Trump? Trump's most pro-Israel president in American history, bar none. This is why you see Joe Biden's staffers leaking routinely to the media in an attempt to undercut him. In the New York Times today, remember, this is the New York Times, we should remember, according to all of these protesters is a pro-Israel newspaper, which again, insane. So they printed a story today called Israeli forces have limited time in Gaza, U.S. officials say. Who are these people? Quote, as senior Biden officials push Israel to do more to minimize civilian casualties, General Charles Q. Brown Jr., the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, said on Wednesday he was worried each civilian killed in Gaza could generate future members of Hamas, which, by the way, this is the dumbest argument that you ever hear. It's really a stupid argument. That is the same argument as, oh my gosh, you know, during World War II, if we kill too many Nazis and too many civilians get killed while we're killing the Nazis, we're just going to create new Nazis. It's the most self-serving catch-22 argument of all time. Did anyone worry about this when we were killing everyone in ISIS? We're like, oh my gosh, if we kill too many members of ISIS, you know how many people that's going to radicalize? Millions of people all over the world will be radicalized by us taking out ISIS. That is not the way this works. Again, what creates terrorists is hope of defeating the West. 
That is why they multiply. When you think that a movement is going to lose, you typically don't join the movement. But according to the New York Times, General Brown's comments offered a rare glimpse of division between Israel and the Biden administration. It came as the United Nations Secretary General, Antonio Guterres, said the number of civilians killed in the Gaza Strip showed him there was something clearly wrong with Israel's military operations against Hamas. Now, again, the stats that are coming out from the Gaza Strip are solely from Hamas. Hamas lies about this stuff all the time. They label Hamas terrorists as civilians all the time. Very often, you'll see a stat come out. It's like 80 people killed, 70 of them civilians. And it turns out 70 of them were terrorists and 10 of them were civilians. Because it was just a guy who's 18 years old with a gun, but he was actually just wearing jeans and a t-shirt because he's not in uniform. According to the New York Times, however, the level of carnage has deeply shaken Israel and shaped its military response. The longer the Israeli military campaign continues, the greater the chance the conflict will spark a wider war, several officials in the Biden administration said. That, of course, is, again, a lie, actually. If Israel radically escalates and starts going whole hog just to get this thing done with, that escalates the chances of a harsh response. There's been low-level conflict in the Middle East for literally my lifetime, my parents' lifetime, as long as Israel's been around. The only times it has broken into war is when there is an overt feeling that Israel can be overcome. Okay, so the Biden administration, again, is going wobbly. That is not a particular shock. And that is due, once again, to all of the public pressure that's being brought to bear by pro-Hamas protesters and their allies in the media. This presumably is why Joe Biden is out there saying, I've been asking Israel for longer pauses for humanitarian causes. Israel is literally taking multiple hour gaps in the middle of the day. There's lots of tape of this. And they are guarding civilian corridors. It's not Hamas guarding the civilians. It's Israel spending its own blood and treasure to guard civilian corridors so that Palestinians can walk from the areas that Israel is targeting away from those areas in down south. Israel has now set up a field hospital for Palestinian Arabs. On the beach in Gaza. Why? Because when they are going, they're going to have to go into Al-Shifa because Al-Shifa Hospital has been Hamas's military headquarters for literally two decades. When they do that, they're going to have to move sick patients from one place to another. Hamas, meanwhile, is just waiting for Israel to kill them so they can brag to the cameras about it. But here is Joe Biden doing this silly routine about how Israel needs longer humanitarian pauses. Did you ask for a three-day pause to get in Yahoo? You know, I've been asking for a pause for a lot more than three days. Um, yes. Did you ask him to pause for three days to get the hospital out? Yes. I've asked for even a longer pause for some of them. Okay, but if Hamas is not actually going to release the hostages, that's just allowing them time to regroup and rearm. The only reason he's doing this is, once again, the Biden administration is trying to play it both sides. They're trying to say, yeah, we're pro-Israel. Yeah, we're back. And it's true, they are. And at the same time, they're simultaneously undercutting that by claiming that Israel is violating human rights, which is not true, by claiming that Israel needs to do more to protect civilians, even though Israel is doing more militarily to protect civilians than any army in history, including the American army in places like Iraq or Afghanistan. Again, all of this undercuts. It actually undercuts the ability of Israel to finish off the bad guys. Now, there is going to be a response by the West to all of this. That, that response is slow boiling. When it comes to a head, it's going to be really ugly. We'll get to that in just one second first. The holidays not only allow us to spend time with family, they're a reminder of how important our responsibility is to protect them. That includes planning to secure their future. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from top companies and find your lowest price. Their licensed agents work for you, not the insurance companies. That means you can trust their guidance because they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another. There are no added fees. Your personal information is kept private. Let me just tell you, when you get that life insurance done, it's super satisfying because, again, you don't have to think about it anymore. God forbid something happens to you, you get hit by an anvil drop from a third story like a Looney Tunes cartoon. 
well, you know, that's bad, but at least your family has the financial wherewithal to carry on, at least in that realm. Your loved ones deserve financial safety net and you deserve a smarter way to find and buy it. Go to policygenius.com slash Shapiro or click that link in the description. Get your free life insurance quotes. See how much you could save. That's policygenius.com slash Shapiro. Go check them out right now. Policygenius.com slash Shapiro. With PolicyGenius, you can find life insurance policies starting at just 292 bucks per year for a million bucks in coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid those unnecessary medical exams. Policygenius.com slash Shapiro to get started. Also, For a lot of homeowners, window replacement isn't something that they've done before. For many others, it isn't something that you want to do, but it's something that you kind of have to do at this point. Have you put off replacing the windows in your home because it's just too expensive? I have some excellent news for you. You can now get a free in-home window consultation and a free quote from Renewal by Anderson. Renewal by Anderson's signature service is committed. It's giving you the best customer service experience possible, supported by the best people in the industry. Right now, Renewal by Anderson is offering a free in-home or virtual consultation on durable quality, affordable windows or patio doors for $0 down, zero payments, and zero interest for one year. Text Shapiro to 200-300 for your free consultation. Save $375 off every window and $750 off every door. These savings aren't going to last long. Be sure to check it out. Text Shapiro to 200-300. That's Shapiro to 200-300. Texting privacy policy and terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting enrolls for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop to opt out. Go to windowappointmentnow.com for full offer details. We'll get to more on this in just one moment. First, when we say something is free, it should mean, you know, free, like no strings attached, no hidden costs, no fine print to decipher. When you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks monthly for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. Pure Talk saves the average family almost a thousand bucks a year. Plus, with Pure Talk, you know you're spending your hard-earned money with a company that aligns with your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make that switch today. Head on over to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Switch on over to my cell phone company. I've been using Pure Talk myself for Several years at this point. I can tell you the coverage is excellent. Go check them out right now. PureTalk.com slash Shapiro. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, a child's life is molded by his or her home, school, friends, community. A positive experience in all these areas helps build a healthy child. Cars for Kids, that's Cars with a K, is a registered nonprofit organization aimed at giving children the tools to succeed in life. If you have a car that's just sitting in your driveway, taking up space, you should consider donating it. To cars for kids. You know, cars for kids. They've got that jingle, right? The 1877 cars for kids, K R S. You know it. If you're tired of looking at that old car in your driveway or hearing your spouse complain about it, why not let cars for kids take care of it for you? Here's how it works visit their website at carsforkids.org slash Ben. Let them take care of it from there. The whole process only takes two minutes. Cars for kids will schedule a pickup at a time that's convenient for you. If you don't have a car, you can still help. Cars for Kids accepts non-cash donations of school supplies, clothing, sports equipment, and more. So what exactly are you waiting for? Call now or visit carsforkids.org slash Ben to get the ball rolling today. That's Cars with a K, the number four, at carsforkids.org slash Ben. That's carsforkids.org slash Ben. Well, folks, meanwhile, the West is going to have to respond at some point to the fact that it is honeycombed with people who support actual terrorism. And that's starting to happen already in Europe. It's going to come to a head tomorrow in London. So London has seen hundreds of thousands of people protesting in the streets for Hamas, screaming about how Israel should be obliterated, screaming anti-Semitic slogans, firing fireworks at officers, 
defacing historic statues, attempting to deface the Cenotaph, which is a central monument to the dead in World War I, and then it was extended to World War II. Well, tomorrow is Armistice Day in London. And again, they're expecting a giant pro-Hamas rally. The goal of that is, again, intimidation. And it is expected that there is going to be a fair bit of controversy, maybe some violence, because some of the people who are going to show up to counter-protest are, are people who are attempting to protect those monuments. One of the people who's come under fire is Suella Braverman. She's the Home Secretary. She, she's excellent, Suella Braverman, by the way. I mean, when you, she gave a speech at AEI recently all about, all about the, the failure of the West to take stock of the people entering the country. She's totally right about this. Well, now she's under pressure because Rishi Sunak is thinking about maybe dumping her. She wrote an article accusing police of bias and allowing the pro-Hamas protests. She claimed that some senior officers apparently play favorites, and apparently the prime minister didn't sign off on all of that. Downing Street says it is still investigating how the article containing an inflammatory comparison between pro-Palestinian mobs and marches in Northern Ireland was sent to the Times for publication. Sunak is not firing her yet. She claimed that mob protesters were largely ignored by officers, even when clearly breaking the law. That is 100% true. I mean, you can see it happening in real time. And we have tape of it. We have protesters literally firing fireworks at officers in London and the officers doing nothing. And meanwhile, telling people who are holding British flags, they can't put their British flags right there. We have video of police officers in London arresting people for saying that pro-Hamasniks should be deported. And meanwhile, you have pro-Hamas protesters who are intimidating, breaking windows, doing what they do. So naturally, all of the controversies about Suella Braverman noticing, this is the way that this insanity works, is that Suella Braverman noticed, and that means that she's bad. According to the UK Independent, Rishi Sunak is under pressure to sack Suella Braverman after she defied Downing Street by publishing an article accusing those police officers of bias over protests in support of Palestine. But that's not what the protests are about. My friend Douglas Murray has pointed this out. If you actually look at the tape of the protests, this is not a quote-unquote pro-Palestine protest. It is a pro-Hamas protest. That's why they weren't protesting against Hamas five minutes ago. Everyone understands that even if you're an advocate of the two-state solution, which again is fantasy land, given the fact that the Palestinians themselves are incredibly radicalized and have no desire for a two-state solution. But even if you were a fan, you would be in favor of Hamas being gotten rid of. But nobody is actually talking about getting rid of Hamas. So it is very, very likely, actually, that there will be some sort of conflict. The Royal British Legion has defended pro-Palestinian demonstrators' right to protest amid a furious row over whether a rally should be allowed to go ahead on Armistice Day. The Royal British Legion has urged protesters to be peaceful and show respect as mourners flock to London this weekend to remember war dead. In a statement, the Armed Forces Charity said the British Armed Forces play a vital role in protecting the rights and freedoms of everyone in UK society, including the right to protest. We're not aware of any protests during the RBL Remembrance events. We hope events can go ahead over the weekend without disruption. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Apparently, the latest pro-Hamas march through London is due to take place not only tomorrow, but they've now mapped out where exactly they're going. The six organizing groups behind the demonstration had faced calls from the Met Police to postpone their march on the grounds that it would clash with Remembrance Services. So first of all, if you have a march that you know is going to clash with the Remembrance Service for Fallen Soldiers in the UK, that should say something about the marchers. That should say something about the marchers. If they were marching for peace and love, there'd be no clash with the possibility of people who are, who are marching to remember war dead. I mean, it's pretty obvious the orientation of many of these marchers. The Mets commissioner, Sir Mark Rowley, ultimately decided to give the march a green light. 
The laws created by parliament are clear. There is absolutely no power to ban protests, said Sir Mark. He added the marchers had shown a complete willingness to stay away from the Cenotaph and Whitehall and have no intention of disrupting the nation's remembrance event. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. We will see if it goes quite as they think it is going to go. Meanwhile, Marine Le Pen over in France is beginning to gain more support because of this. The simple fact of the matter is that France, which has an extremely large Muslim population, the, the Muslim population of France right now is about 3.4 million Muslims. It's about 5% of the total population. Pew Research Center predicts that the Muslim population will rise to between 8.6 million which is about like 12.5% of the country in 2050. This is one of the growing threats that people are perceiving because, again, their entire district of Paris that, again, is very controversial to say, but it's reality. These are no-go zones. People leave them alone. The police do not want to go in there. The same thing happens in areas of London, by the way. There are certain precincts where the police just do not want to go. In fact, under the high migration scenario that Pew Research estimates, they say, that the percentage, here would be the percentage of Muslims in the EU by 2050 under a high migration scenario. 30% of Sweden, 17% of Norway, 15% of Finland, 20% of Germany, 18% of France, 20% of Austria, 17% of the UK. Those are very, very high numbers. Because again, a huge percentage of this population, as we are seeing from these protests right now, is not in fact assimilating to Western values. Even under a lower estimate. Those are big, big numbers. And so the blowback has begun. And you're starting to see right-wing parties who are gaining credibility because of this. So Marine Le Pen, who is the, the leader of the National Rally Party, originally founded by her father, Jean-Marie Le Pen. Jean-Marie was a pretty vicious anti-Semite. Marine has not been, at least in, in policy or practice. And so Marine is trying to now join. She, she again, was in a runoff for the, for the leadership of the country in the last election cycle. And she is now joining in an anti-anti-Semitism rally, like to fight anti-Semitism, because the case that she is making is that France has imported too many radical Muslims, which, of course, actually happens to be true. According to the Associated Press, French far-right leader Marine Le Pen has set off a cacophony of criticism over her plans to attend a weekend march to protest rising anti-Semitism in France. Prime Minister Elizabeth Bourne, numerous political parties and citizens are to attend that Sunday march. Le Pen has said she and her national party rally party also will be there. The party's current president, Jordan Bardella, said in an interview, he doesn't think Jean-Marie Le Pen is anti-Semitic, a remark that revived the link between past and present. Government spokesperson Olivier Varane said Wednesday the Marine Le Pen's party does not have a place at what is dubbed as a grand civic march. But he said everybody is free to show up. Again, one of the things that's going to happen, as you see a rising, a rising level of radical Muslim activity in the West, you are going to see parties like Marine Le Pen who are going to start seeing electoral, electoral victory. That is a thing that is going to continue to happen because it turns out that eventually the weakness ends. Eventually, people in the West get tired of this sort of stuff and the blowback is extremely real. It, it'll be fascinating to see what happens tomorrow in London. It'll be a very good early indicator of just where the West is going if the current status of weakness toward radical Islam continues. Okay, meanwhile, Joe Biden is continuing to have serious electoral problems. We'll get to those in just one moment. First, Veterans Day is now upon us. It's time we step up and help give back to those who have served our nation's armed forces. This is where Black Rifle Coffee Company comes in. As a veteran-founded company, Black Rifle's mission has always been to support and empower fellow servicemen and women. 
Thanks to all of you who grabbed a can of ready-to-drink coffee this year, Black Rifle Coffee Company has been able to raise 500 grand for the Boot Campaign. This massive donation will be put to work to help restore the lives of veterans and their families. It wouldn't have been possible without your help. So drink more coffee. Where you choose to shop matters. Thanks to the hardworking Americans who get their premium coffee from Black Rifle, they were able to donate over 400 grand to the Medal of Honor Museum and 75 grand to the Vets Gala to help provide essential mental health services for the veterans who need the most. This commitment goes beyond just great coffee and giving back. Veterans Day is also about honoring our service members by sharing their stories. Head on over to BlackRifleCoffee.com. Hear the incredible story of Marine recon legend Clint Trial. Take the time to honor all of those who serve and sacrifice so much for our freedoms this Veterans Day. That's BlackRifleCoffee.com. Black Rifle Coffee is indeed America's coffee. BlackRifleCoffee.com. It is indeed America's coffee. Okay, so Joe Biden is having trouble on a number of fronts. The media are trying to chalk it up to the Israel-Hamas war. That is not why he's having trouble. In fact, his approval ratings are basically stagnant. They've been stagnant for quite a while because he is not very good at, you know, the president thing. I'm looking at his approval ratings right now. And what you see is that Joe Biden's approval ratings right now, basically the same as they were, you know, back in like July of 2022. Nothing has really changed. He's been pretty stagnant. The reason for that is because there are a bunch of boiling problems. One of those problems continues to be illegal immigration. In fact, tape emerged yesterday. This is not going to be good for Joe Biden. Tape emerged yesterday of illegal immigrants on their way to the United States. And as they were marching, they were cheering Joe Biden's name. Well, that's every Republican attack ad from now until the election. It's just young men. I mean, it's entirely young men there, right? Not, not, a, lot of, not a lot of women and children in that, in that crowd. Um, these are the supposed refugees, and they are cheering Joe Biden's name. When you connect that to the fact that the illegal immigration is so, it's so bad that Texas literally had to, this week, absorb land in the Rio Grande in an attempt to stop illegal immigration. According to the UK Daily Mail, the Texas General Land Office announced in April state troopers could clear out two islands near Eagle Pass. Five months later, Land Commissioner Don Buckingham added another in Fronton as part of Operation Flattop. Texas pointed to old maps that claimed the islands in the middle of the Rio Grande were always part of Texas. Fronton Island is the largest. It measures about 170 acres. Once full of lush greenery, it has been stripped to dirt and lined with barbed wire in the past week. Why? Because illegal immigrants were showing up and then they were using this as the launching point to cross the Rio Grande. Fronton Island, known as the single most dangerous spot on the southern border, is cleared to patrol, Buckingham tweeted on November 1st. Lieutenant Chris Oliveras told News 4 San Antonio the reclaimed islands were mostly used for illegal border crossings. He said, we see the influx of illegal immigrants coming across. They would use those pieces of land as a refuge. Not just Mexican migrants either. Data from the Department of Homeland Security showed thousands of Chinese migrants illegally crossed the Rio Grande by way of Mexico in 2023. By the way, there are terrorist threats who crossed the Rio Grande too. It turns out that when you can't actually clear people, who are crossing the border, you have no idea who they are. Cartel soldiers have been crossing the border using these islands. So Texas literally had to claim islands in the middle of the Rio Grande just to clear them of the possibility of being used for illegal immigration. Meanwhile, in your latest horrible illegal immigration crime story, Jazz Shaw reporting over at Hot Air, this week, ICE managed to arrest an illegal immigrant from Honduras in Virginia. He was charged with felony rape by force, threat, or intimidation, abduction by force, and assault on a family member. That's bad enough by itself, but after digging into this dirtbag's background story, it becomes even worse. This is the third time he has been arrested on similar charges. And yet somehow he keeps winding up back on the streets. They know where, when, and how he got into the country. How many more like him are lurking out there? Apparently, he entered the United States on an unknown date at an unknown location. He was not inspected or admitted by an immigration official. 
He was previously arrested by Border Patrol near Roma, Texas in June 2021. He was then given that famous notice to appear before a DOJ immigration judge. And then he just absconded. He was later arrested in July 2023 by the Herndon Police Department and charged with felony rape by force, threat or intimidation, abduction by force and assault on a family member. So he's been in the country since 2021. He was detained at the border. He was told to show up in court. And then he just went and did like a series of violent crimes. There's a lot of this going on in the United States. If you want to make Donald Trump president, this is a great way to do it. And Joe Biden has been facilitating that. Meanwhile, when it comes to the economy, it is clear that Jerome Powell really has no tools at his disposal. He really doesn't know what to do at this point. The fact is that the economy continues to run hot, despite the fact that the interest rates are now up well above 5%. If it continues to run hot at this rate, the inflation is going to continue. Not only is the inflation going to continue, wage price spirals are going to continue, which means you feel poorer tomorrow than you did yesterday. Even if the rate of inflation is decreasing, inflation itself is still increasing, which is why yesterday Fed Chair Jerome Powell indicated that the central bank would not declare an end to the historic interest rate increases until it had more evidence that inflation was actually cooling. According to the Wall Street Journal, price and wage pressures have eased recently. Powell is disappointed, however, because he thinks that the Fed is more likely to tighten policy than ease it if any change is warranted. He pointed to earlier inflation head fakes, past episodes in which price pressures ebbed for a little while before surpassing Fed officials by before surprising Fed officials by picking it up again. He said they would monitor economic conditions closely to avoid both the risk of having been misled by a few months of data as well as the risk of having rates raised rates too high. So those interest rates could be going up anyway. And by the way, if you're looking for a new mortgage, again, we have not we have not actually seen the bubble burst yet. Because the mortgage rates are so unbelievably high, people are not actually selling their houses. Because they're not selling their houses, that means that there's no inventory. Because there's no inventory, the prices have not yet dropped. There will come a point here where people start to lose their jobs and can't afford their current mortgages. And then you are going to see a serious real estate bubble burst. I will say one thing for Jerome Powell. I was very amused yesterday. Jerome Powell was confronted by uh, by protesters. Protesters uh, started trying to interrupt him. And uh, he dropped an F-bomb. Here's what it sounded like. GDP growth in the third quarter was quite strong, but like most forecasters, we expect growth growth to moderate in coming quarters. Of course. Jerome Powell, by refusing to treat climate change like this is a Okay, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Just close the door. Close the door. At least that, by the way, I will say that I am enjoying the spectacle. There are some people who are now treating protesters with precisely the scorn they deserve. I got a hat tip here to John Fetterman. I know these are words I never thought I would say. John Fetterman has been absolutely stalwart against ridiculous pro-Hamas protesters. He's papered his walls with posters of the kidnapped by Hamas. Yesterday, he walked through a pro-Hamas protest line holding an Israeli flag. And then when they asked him about, when they started chanting at him, he said, guys, I've got brain damage. I don't even know what you're saying. Amazing, amazing. So like, Points to John Fetterman. Again, words I never thought that I would say. In just one second, we'll get to the state of the U.S. Senate come 2024. So Republicans have been losing a series of elections, been really bad, but they now have a possible breakthrough in the Senate come 2024. We'll get to that momentarily. First, if you take a look around your house, you'll notice that your window treatments are probably pretty old. You haven't thought about them in a long time. When you moved into your place, you saw curtains, you're like, ah, they're curtains. Or you saw blinds, you're like, ah, they're blinds. What's the big deal? And now, now that I've said it, you're looking right at the windows. I know you are. And you're saying to yourself, yeah, those are pretty ugly. You need to replace them. It'll save you energy. It'll make the light flow in your house in a better way. Blinds.com can help make all of that happen. Blinds.com is the number one online retailer of custom window coverings with over 40,000 five-star reviews. 
You can measure and install it yourself or have Blinds.com take care of it with local professionals. There's no showroom, no retail markets. No matter how many you order, installation is just one low cost. If you don't have an eye for design, Blinds.com experts are always available to help choose the style and color that's right for you. Everything they sell is covered by their perfect fit and 100% satisfaction guarantee. With hundreds of styles and colors to choose from, Blinds.com is sure to have the perfect treatment for your windows. Thanks to Blinds.com's Veterans Day sale, you'll be able to get an amazing deal on great blinds for your home as well. Shop that Veterans Day sale. It's happening right now. Save up to 45% off plus doorbusters. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. When you check out online, don't forget to tell them you heard about Blinds.com from the Ben Shapiro Show. Rules and restrictions may apply. Also, I don't smoke, but Michael Knowles, who's a human who works at this company, does. He wants me to tell you about our new cigars, Mayflower Cigars. Now, my immediate inclination is when he told me to tell you about Mayflower Cigars, I wouldn't do it because I'd never want to do anything that Michael wants to do. But here's the thing. This is a thing that Michael actually knows a thing about. I know, it's like amazing. We finally discovered it, cigars. And clearly, everyone knows that he knows about it because his new cigar line sold out in the first 24 hours. All those years, he should have been working, studying, you know, doing anything productive. He spent all of his time and my money obsessing over cigars. So in a moment of benevolent mercy, we figured it would be worthwhile for us to start a new brand that can actually use legitimately the only gift that Michael has. Michael tells me that each premium handmade cigar is blended aged to perfection. Behold, this is a box. Within this box are cigars. I don't know anything about that stuff, but apparently you can try the Mayflower Dawn, a mild to medium bodied cigar, or try the Mayflower Dusk for a fuller bodied smoke. You can enjoy them in three different sizes. If you can't decide, you can order a sampler pack. It includes one of each blend in a variety of sizes. Head on over to MayflowerCigars.com right now. Pre-order your Mayflower Cigars today. We're going to be shipping in early December. You have to be 21 years old or older to purchase. Some exclusions may apply. Look how many cigars are in this box. There are at least eight cigars. They are made of tobacco. This is what I have been told. And apparently they are very good to smoke. I don't know anything about that. I do know that you have to help me pay off Michael, Michael's salary because there's legitimately no other way we're earning it back. So go check it out right now. Check out those Mayflower cigars today. Okay, meanwhile, an actual good news for Republicans, Joe Manchin has now said that he is not going to run for re-election in the Senate in West Virginia. West Virginia is a very, very heavily red state. West Virginia, in fact, is the state that voted most for Donald Trump in the last election cycle. Yesterday, Manchin said that he would not run for another term in West Virginia. He's 76 years old, but that doesn't mean that his political career is over. As we'll see, he may even pose more of a threat to Joe Biden than just that. His term ends January 2025, which means, of course, that he is going to his seat will be up for election in 2024. Kerry was announcing yesterday that he would not be running for re-election in the state. After months of deliberation and long conversation with my family, I believe in my heart of hearts that I have accomplished what I set out to do for West Virginia. I've made one of the toughest decisions of my life and decided that I will not be running for re-election to the United States Senate. But what I will be doing is traveling the country and speaking out to see if there is an interest in creating a movement to mobilize the middle and bring Americans together. To the West Virginians who have put their trust in me and fought side by side to make our state better, it has been my honor of my life to serve you. Thank you. Okay, so Manchin out in West Virginia. What does that mean? It means Republicans pick up one seat. Remember, the Senate right now is split 51-49, Democrats to Republicans. So that seat flips, now you got a 50-50. So that means Republicans have to pick up one more seat. Now, here is the thing. There are zero Republican senators facing re-election in purple states, in states that Trump lost in either of the last two presidential elections. There are six Democrat senators who are facing re-election states in states that Trump won. 
in at least 2016 or 2020. So in purple states, six senators up, zero Republicans, all Democrats, right? Six, six of those senators are Democrats. So what exactly do those races look like? Well, they look, unless Republicans blow it, which Republicans have a magical way of doing it. I mean, it's, it, I have to say, I'm astonished at the unbroken chain of Republican failure over the course of the last six years or so. In Arizona, Kirsten Cinema announced that she was going to run as an independent. That is because the Democratic Party basically undercut her because she was making too many deals with the other side, having too many conversations with Mitt Romney and the like. Well, that has now opened up a three-way race between Kirsten Cinema as independent, Ruben Gallego as a Democrat, and Kerry Lake, presumably, as the Senate opponent in Arizona. Now, Kerry Lake just lost the gubernatorial race over there. It is quite possible that she would even lose in a three-way race. That Cinema would pick up some of the moderate Republicans and that she'd pick up some of the moderate Democrats and that she loses, but Gallego somehow sneaks in. That's going to be a very hotly fought race and an uncomfortable one for Republicans because Republicans have decided in Arizona to just more cowbell is the solution, apparently. Meanwhile, over in Michigan, Democrats have a seat. It's been vacated by Debbie Stabenow. She's announced her retirement. She was reelected in 2018 with 52.3% of the vote. Depending on who Republicans nominate in Michigan and the moribund state of the Michigan Republican Party, they could theoretically win a seat there. It's going to be difficult. Michigan, again, the Michigan Republican Party is currently bankrupt. They don't, they don't have any ability to take out debt, is my understanding. And not only that, they've had a history of nominating candidates who just wildly underperform in general elections. But that's only two states. Here are the other states. Montana is a traditionally red state. John Tester is seeking re-election in 2024. He won in 2018 with 50.3% of the vote, but he's going to be on the ballot, presumably at the same time as Trump in 2024. So running in 2018 as a Democrat and Republican state, not quite the same thing as running at the same time as a Republican president who in Montana should have some coattails. So you could easily see Republicans picking up that seat. So that would give Republicans a 51-49 majority. In Ohio, Ohio is still a swing state, kind of, sort of, but Ohio is deeply red. Trump won the state widely in 2016, and 2020. Sherrod Brown is looking for re-election. He won in 2018 with 53.4% of the vote. So Sherrod Brown is a much more formidable candidate than probably John Tester is in Montana. However, is that a seat the Republicans could win if they don't run somebody terrible? Sure. That is definitely a winnable seat. Again, it's going to be a presidential year. Pennsylvania, Republicans look like they are actually going to run somebody good this time. That presumably would be Dave McCormick, who's running for the Senate in Pennsylvania. Democratic Senator Bob Casey is looking for a fourth term. He was reelected by a wide margin in 2018, but the state seems to have gotten closer along these lines, and McCormick is a good candidate. In Wisconsin, Senator Tammy Baldwin is up for reelection again. She won widely in 2018. The question is to whether Republicans will select somebody who is sort of more middle of the road in Wisconsin in order to win the seat, or whether they get out the vote in wide margin in 24 is really the question. So Trump's going to have to have coattails. If Trump has, even if Trump doesn't have coattails, Republicans have a very good shot of retaining the Senate. However, if Trump does have coattails, Republicans could theoretically walk away with 53, 54 seats in the United States Senate. So that's the current situation. That's very bad for Joe Biden and the Democrats, obviously. Well, Joe Manchin retiring from the Senate in West Virginia, giving up his seat presumably to maybe Governor Jim Justice, a Republican. That's not just a problem for Democrats in one sense. It's a big problem for them in another, which is that Joe Manchin could easily join a no labels ticket. So there's been a lot of talk over the last couple of years about a no-labels third-party ticket taking votes away from Joe Biden. And that could easily happen. Mitt Romney has now retired from the Senate. Joe Manchin has retired from the Senate. And so there's a widespread push to run a Manchin-Romney or Romney-Manchin ticket as a sort of third-party alternative. 
That is very risky for Joe Biden. I mean, super risky for Joe Biden, because here's the thing. He has a certain locked in level of support. It's not all that high. His locked in level of support is probably somewhere in the mid 30s. Meanwhile, you got Donald Trump. His locked in level of support is probably in the low 40s to mid 40s. And there's probably 15, 20 percent of the vote that's up for grabs in between there. Now, if there's no serious third party challenge, no serious third party candidate, then probably those people split in favor of Joe Biden. That's typically what happens in an election where Donald Trump is involved. However, if there is a plausible third party alternative, that changes real fast. Right now, Robert F. Kennedy is junior is, is sort of the default. What if there was a third party guy? And in a lot of polling, he's up in like the 20s. In one poll, he's up in the 30s, which just shows the wild dissatisfaction the American public has with the current political choices being offered them, being an, a non-functional 80-year-old and Donald Trump. Like these are, these are not choices that the broad swath of the American people are into. The party base in the Republican Party loves Trump. The party base in the Democratic Party doesn't love Biden, but they feel like they're stuck with him. And so there are a lot of people who are sort of in the middle and dissatisfied with both candidates. And so the possibility of a quote-unquote moderate ticket a, a, a party crossing ticket that would be like Manchin Romney, you're going to see like 20, 25% of the population that would take a very serious look at that and it would come disproportionately, you would imagine, from Joe Biden's side. Because again, Donald Trump has a higher level. He has a, he has a higher floor. He has a lower ceiling and he has a higher floor, Donald Trump. Right? Joe, Joe Biden has a lower floor and a higher ceiling, just electorally speaking. That is what, although because of his poor performance, his ceiling may also be really low at this point. According to the New York Times, what Manchin plans to do remains a mystery. His closest aides and advisors insist they don't know. A conservative Democrat who has served as one of his party's key votes in the Senate, he has long kept his own counsel on his biggest decisions and made up his mind at the last minute. Manchin has flirted this year with No Labels, a group that has made noise about running a centrist candidate for the White House. No Labels officials said on Thursday Manchin's announcement had taken them by surprise, though they commended him for stepping up to lead a long overdue national conversation about solving America's biggest challenge. Regarding our No Labels Unity presidential ticket, we are gathering input from our members across the country to understand the kind of leaders they would like to see in the White House, said the group in a statement. Some allies of Manchin are skeptical he'll run. For one, it would cost hundreds of millions of dollars to run a credible independent or third-party campaign. But he might just because of the high levels of dissatisfaction. For months this year, Manchin has cozied up to No Labels, according to the New York Times, which so far has secured ballot access in 12 states in an attempt to offer an alternative to Biden and Trump. The group's president, Nancy Jacobson, has told potential donors the group intends to select a Republican to lead its ticket, a decision that would exclude Manchin if No Labels maintains that position. One candidate who's openly teasing a No Labels run, Larry Hogan, he's been trying to push that. He has no level of support. Manchin's a bit of a different story. You can see Democrats panicking about this, by the way. Democrats have been panicked about No Labels for quite a while here because, again, they look at Joe Biden and they don't like what they see. So, the, the realities that are setting in for Joe Biden are very real and very terrifying. He's going to have to figure out pretty quickly what his strategy is. His strategy, by the way, is going to be just attacking Donald Trump. Whether that works or not is going to be very much dependent on the news cycle. And if you're a Democrat running against Donald Trump, you don't want that to be dependent on the news cycle. Joe Manchin must be scaring the pants off Democrats right now. All right, guys, the rest of the show continues right now. You're not going to want to miss it. We'll be getting into the Washington Post, which has decided that OnlyFans, you know, women posing nude for money, that that is actually a wonderful line of business. If you're not a member, become a member. Use code Shapiro at checkout for two months free on all annual plans. Click that link in the description and join us. 